They came together in one accord. That unity was what ushered Pentecost. But shortly thereafter, Peter's prejudice had to be chiseled away by a vision. We are all biased, but the calling is to step away and look at people for the creation of God they are. All humans are equal, but none are more important than the other. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Welcome to Lesson 9 of Biblical Missionaries. My name is Janelle Phillip, and I am here with three awesome guests. Please introduce yourselves and tell us your favorite fruit and why. Well, I'm Angela, and I would go with mango because it's delicious, but I'm also allergic, so that gets wiped off. But um, I'd say the guayuchicaba, which is a Brazilian fruit. They're little balls that grow on like the trunk of the tree. They're just so interesting, but also very tasty. Mm, thank you. Welcome, Angela. Yeah, that's exotic. I, I like blueberries. They're my. I was born in New Jersey, and New Jersey actually has great blueberries. You may not know that, but it's not just a shopping malls. <laughs> and shopping malls full of blueberries? Oh, no, I'm Rob. My name is Rob. <laughs> shopping malls of blueberries. And my, hey. and my name is John, and my favorite fruit is mango, and I'm not allergic to them. Uh, <laughs> actually, I've always liked mango, but when I went and took a uh, vacation to Trinidad to visit family and such, they had a bowl of them waiting for me, and mm. I have never tasted fruit that good in, ever before in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mango. I'm, I'm biased with the mango, too. So, <laughs> All right. John, can you please read today's scripture for us? All right. So I'm going to be reading Acts chapter 2, verses 30 and 39. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Thank you. And Rob, can you please offer us prayer? Sure, sure. Please bow your heads. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the chance to come together and freely talk about your word and help us to understand more through our discussion about uh, missions and about Peter's role in that and uh, help us to each answer your call. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Peter and the Gentiles. Dum, dum, dum. I, I don't know why I felt like. Is that for Peter or the Gentiles? <laughs> I think it's for, yeah, it's for me. But <laughs> <laughs> Peter and the Gentiles. Okay. What do we learn from the story of Pentecost about world mission? And the story of Pentecost, we find that in Acts 2 between verses 5 and 21. What do we learn about that story about world mission? I think one of the things we see is that it's a high priority mm. and also that the Holy Spirit guides it in a way that is sometimes very unexpected because here you have the Holy Spirit coming to this group of believers and they go out and spread the word. It's not, you know, 10th down the list of things to do. Mm -hmm. You get the Holy Spirit, then you do this, then you do that, then you go home and eat, then you take a bath. 
it's an automatic response to when the Holy Spirit comes in. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's almost infectious in a way yeah. because literally, you know, once, once they were filled with the Holy Spirit, it, was, it wasn't, you know, like you said, it was just immediate. Everyone's going out mm -hmm. and they're doing, they're, they're accomplishing the will of God. And so mm -hmm. um, that's an important aspect of, of mission is that, you know, you, you have to get, you know, you come together as a group, you know, to, to, to pray, to invite God in to whatever it is that you're trying to, to accomplish and that his will guides you and then allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and transform that situation mm -hmm. so that you can be prepared and equipped because each of those individuals by themselves would not have been equipped mm. to go out and do the world mission. But it took the Holy Spirit coming in in order to give them the things that they needed, to give them the words they needed to say, to give them the wisdom and the knowledge and the strength. Mm -hmm. I'd say it shows that it's possible. Mm. I mean, it seems mm. like some, something that might not even, uh, well, it just seems like an impossible thing when you think of all the people that are out there, all the different languages, all the barriers to communication. Mm -hmm. um, but it can be done. And we mm -hmm. see it done here. We've seen it done in our lifetime throughout the world. It's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We need the Holy Spirit and it can be done. Yeah, and, it, and it's going to be done, as we see, because, you know, every, everybody's going to be able to have, to know, have had the chance to choose. Mm -hmm. So we know that it's going to happen. That's what the word says. But it's, it's, it was a very um, interesting time. And how do we, what are we doing now? But we're, we're, we'll get to that about <laughs> how that translates to us right now. But I, I'll add as well to this that we learn from this story of Pentecost about world mission is that and I, you said that as well, but it's an, it's an immediate thing. It's automatic. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take this whole necessary ser series of events, and you just have mm -hmm. to... It happens, because verse 21 it's in um, Acts chapter 2, it says, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not will be or could be or possibly. If you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Mm -hmm. So if you, get, if you go for him, if you accept him, if you reach for him, he's like, that's all I, I just, I just needed you to do that. And so then it happens. But the Holy Spirit makes that happen. So what is the role of the Holy Spirit in mission? We know that he does stuff, but what, is, what does he do? I believe that the Holy Spirit's role is to, is to <clears throat> guide us, to give us that direction. Mm -hmm. Because, often, you know, sometimes when we're out there um, in mission, you know, trying to win souls for Christ and trying to, to to present the gospel message to the world. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to go, what to mm -hmm. say. And so the Holy Spirit guides us to those places, to those people that need to hear it the most. You know, I, I've been in situations where I've gone past someone and I just felt impressed, like, you know what, let me speak to that person. And, and just, whether it's just a smile or a hello, but it was something that the Holy Spirit kind of said, hey, do something. Mm -hmm. I need you to do something. I need you to move and act. And I think the Holy Spirit's purpose is to guide us and do that for us. Mm -hmm. So that we just don't become one of those people that walk by the rest of the world, and we have our we're blind to it. We don't see anything. I, I see when I go when I go in you know downtown areas. Mm -hmm. You know, you watch. You know, I've people watch sometimes, and I'll see everyone walking past the homeless people on the on the corner or sitting on the on the in the inside the doorways, and everyone. No one's paying any attention to anything else but themselves. Mm -hmm. But the Holy Spirit allows us to see everyone else outside of that. Mm. And I think the second half of that, John, is that. The Holy Spirit's working on us as we go out, but at the same time, the Holy Spirit is the one 
working on the people that we're going to be reaching. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we think that, you know, we'll come into their life when they need us. But there's, everybody's going through a process mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit is preparing hearts and maybe that sounds cliched, but he's working in people's lives so that the moment that we meet them or the moment that we interact with them is the moment in his time mm -hmm. and in his will. And maybe what we're meeting them for isn't for that big moment of, you know, Jesus loves you, he wants to be with you, come with him. But maybe he's putting us in contact with these people in the moment that they need us to listen to their stories mm. or to sit and hear the troubles they're going through. So I think he leads on both sides, bringing people together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's always busy. I always think I'm like, I'm so glad that, you know, they don't need rest because I can't imagine. I mean, every it's amazing that all of these people in this world and the Holy Spirit is among everybody doing his yeah. work. And all we have to do is just call on him so we can call on him here. We can call on him in Trinidad. We can call on him in Brazil, wherever. We can call on him in, you know, um, Johannesburg. It doesn't matter where. And he's there ready, able, listening, and will do what he needs to do to get his message, their message, the Trinity's mm -hmm. message across. I just praise the Lord for that. Now let's shift a little bit to Acts 11. We're going to look at Acts 11, 1 through 10. How do we know that Peter's vision in Acts 11, 1 through 10 is related to something other than what is appropriate or inappropriate to eat? Hmm, I'd say the big hint for me is what happens right after. Mm. Exactly. Like if it was the vision itself and then he went on with his normal life and nothing else extraordinary happened, mm -hmm. then I'd say maybe it was more of a literal thing. But the fact is, as soon as it ends, you know, right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. So there's even just time-wise a very obvious vision, mm -hmm. action. Exactly. And I think that's also, mm -hmm. you know, when we talk about, you know, Holy Spirit guiding, that was an intentional act of the Holy yeah. Spirit, you know, and, mm -hmm. and the vision and the, and the direction. Oh, this is the message. This is the mission. Right. And then here's the action. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and actually, I'm going to actually pull that back a little bit because it actually, the initial vision, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it's in Acts 10, 9 through 16. Right. Yeah. It yeah. starts yeah. back. And what happens in 11 is, is he is explaining right. that vision. He's now talking about, and he's, um, he's kind of defending God's grace to the others in Jerusalem mm -hmm. who were asking about um, what they had heard about the Gentiles receiving the word of God. And so back from there, this was placed in the midst of the story about Cornelius, and we know Cornelius was not, um, he was not, was not, he was a Gentile. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And he wanted to, he wanted to get the word as well. He wanted to receive Jesus. He wanted to be a part of that. Am, am, am I correct? he had a mm -hmm. vision. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, he even had a vision of three in the afternoon mm -hmm. where an angel comes to him. Yes. So... It, 
you know, even angels are coming to him, so he can't be completely off limits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and it's definitely intentional so that, you know, as you read the Bible, you understand that, hey, you know, if this was back in Acts 10, you read it by itself, okay, no one understands. But then you see it now in Acts 11 in context Mm -hmm. with what the real reason behind the vision. And it's because of that that message that that even Gentiles are are you know can be saved that they there is a message of salvation and hope that's for them as well mm-hmm. because when you when you look at the, the you know those before this you know Peter didn't want Peter was all about hey it's for the Jews mm-hmm. you know I don't want to deal with anyone else Peter. and you know, yeah <laughs> stubborn Peter Peter who wants to do his own thing mm-hmm. and it took God showing him this vision to, for him to finally really get it and, and I think that's it's really important looking at have to look at that entire context to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the, yeah, I, th- I agree with you completely that um, the explanation at the end, especially in, in chapter 11, mm-hmm. verse 18, um, when they heard these things, i.e. Peter's explanation and relation of his vision, they became silent and they glorified God saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Mm-hmm. So the, the conclusion that everyone reaches is not, oh, so this is a proclamation about food. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't, it's not entirely, I mean, but it's, it's primarily about the gospel going to Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, we know Peter as, as a, he had never, he said he's never, you know, eaten that type of food. He's never done any of that. And God said, what the voice answered again from heaven, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. And so we are not no longer to just classify people and put them in a category and say, well, he didn't come for you or he didn't do this for you or he's not open to you. It's saying, no, God has, what he has cleansed, let us not call common. So it's for everyone. He's opened it up for everyone. And just like you said, Rob, then God had also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. So at the end of it, if we read everything and not take bits and pieces of a story, (laughs) you know, sometimes we all get tempted to do that. We see a verse and we're like, oh, this is it. But it's really bigger than that. We have to really look at it in in its context. And it says more than that, that the whole point was not about what do you eat and what do you don't eat. It is about who is this message for and who can eat this message, who can partake in this message. And that's everybody. Yep. Bless God. I just, I, I don't know. Because I guess, in the truth of it, I'm not really in that category. You know, if I look at my own life, I'm not in this. Mm. When I was born, I wasn't born into all of this fanfare and so forth. And, you know, I don't have all these generations of one thing or the next. But it doesn't matter. Because the moment mm. I said, Jesus, I need you, he says, I'm here. I have you. And so it's not about my status. It's not about our position. It's about do we accept him and do we not? Mm. And if we do, here we are. Yep. And, I, and I think relating that to, to today, mm-hmm. it's a message for us as Christians to understand that when you look at a people, everyone is entitled mm-hmm. to hear this. Everyone deserves the ability to hear the message that God has for them. Because, you know, the, the drug addict on the street corner, the, the, the homeless person who has nowhere to sleep, the, the person who's struggling with their financial situation, mm-hmm. you know, the people who are in other countries who don't even, who've never heard about, you know, God and heard the message. Everyone deserves to hear it. And so 
there's no one that we can look at and say, they don't need to hear this. Mm-hmm. They don't, it's not for them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really important. And there are times we even look at it the other way and go, oh, this church leader or this, you know, pastor doesn't need to hear this. But there are times that even they need to hear yeah. certain messages from God mm-hmm. just because they appear that they do or don't. Mm-hmm. You know, God reaches out to everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's just an awesome, awesome, awesome point about him. Let me, let me shift a little bit. Acts 15, verses 1 through 35. That's the whole, they, right there is the Jerusalem Council. Now, what lesson can we take away from the Jerusalem Council that could help the church today as it deals with controversial issues? <laughs> controversial issues? Do we still have any of those? No. We agree on everything, and there's peace across the land. That sounds about right. <laughs> so, so I would personally say it. Uh, the fact that they stopped to really ask for God's direction and and. and, mm-hmm. and understand what God really wants. You know, I think far too often we, we get into situations where we, we pray about it, but we're not really inviting God to make the decision. Mm. We're more so, God, we want you to come and bless our decision, but we don't want you to make the decision. And mm. I think that's an important thing to look at how the Jerusalem Council handled this situation because, you know, they didn't want, you know, many of the people did not want the message to go out to the Gentiles, mm-hmm. but they stopped and, and, and made sure that, look, it's not about what I want. It's not about what you want. It's about what God says is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too often we see people praying and basically saying, Lord, help everybody to see what I see yeah. <laughs> instead of show me what I should be seeing or mm-hmm. show me, teach me. Instead, we just say, help them all come around to my point of view. And it was a big topic at that point because you're talking about circumcision. And for Moses, it was granted that if you were to be in the flock, you had to be circumcised. And now they were going and saying to the Gentiles, you're not going to, you really can't, you're really not getting this message. You're really not a part of, of this, of, of Christ's kingdom unless you get circumcised. And they, I can see that <laughs> during that time. I mean, we have all kinds of issues that we're talking about today. But during that time being a big deal because from what they had all been taught all the way down was that it had to be this way. And the Bible says. Yep. And, I, yep. and I think it's also a difference of understanding what is religious tradition and what salvation mm. and what's needed for salvation. Mm. Because the circumcision was religious tradition. Mm-hmm. We've passed this down from generation to generation. Yes, God told us to do this. So we're going to keep doing it because God told us to do it. God told us to sacrifice, you know, burnt offerings. So we're going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it's that whole mm-hmm. idea of change that, oh, understanding what is really tradition, what is really what God wants? What, what, what do we need to be saved? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think they were... And and like I said, I think they were hesitant to really want the Gentiles to receive that message. And so those who didn't, hey, well, you're not circumcised. Mm -hmm. You're not following everything we do. Mm -hmm. So you're still different from us. So you you really don't, you're really not saved. And I I think that's where it it came down to. And so much, you just see this underlying fear that they have of change of the ways that they knew it, Mm -hmm. of, well, then what does the church become from here on out? All of a sudden, it's a mixture of people we've never expected to all be in one place, mm. let alone worshiping the same God. And are we going to be 
expressing that in different ways? Are we going to, I mean, this is really throwing their whole world upside down. And so you have a fear because what they're seeing is a continuation of what they've always known and always believed mm -hmm. instead of trusting and looking at, you know, what God has been trying to point out to them mm -hmm. and trusting enough to go forward with that. Mm -hmm. Well, let me, let me just challenge a little bit. Well, I don't even know if I'm challenging. I'm, let me just say what I'm saying. <laughs> just say something, yeah. I mean, if, if, if all they had was the scripture that was mm -hmm. existing at that time, how would, you, how would you know that you wouldn't keep enforcing circumcision? I mean, it's written. Mm -hmm. Who has the authority to make the decision that this is not needed anymore? Um, why aren't the people who hold to the scripture right? I mean, once once their leaders mm. came to a decision, then they were able to move forward. But what what was that decision based on? It wasn't it, it had it had to come from outside of scripture. And at some point someone had to say, This is just right. We believe this is the right thing to do. We've prayed, mm -hmm. yes, and the Holy Spirit has guided us, but we're taking a leap of faith. We're going beyond the Bible. We're going beyond scripture. I'm going to challenge a little bit differently that say that they were in the midst of scripture as well. You see, when Jesus had died, that like all of this was still <laughs> current scripture. So it's very, I think during that time that was a little bit interesting, but they were living in the midst of scripture being written, you know, yeah, right. and so that they had to really then go back and maybe not as far back as they had. To, well, they had to look at Moses, but then they also had to look at what Jesus was doing at that time and the shift that happened once he sacrificed himself on the cross. And so I think to be able to see that part in current scripture was tough and scary but the Holy Spirit, when they really end up praying and they didn't pray for their thought or will to be done, but they prayed for the Holy Spirit to tell them. And the Holy Spirit said um, in verses, what is it here? Verse 10 and 11. Now, therefore, do, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. And so they had to do a point there kind of shifting into understanding the current scripture because at that point, Jesus died like just, you know, and rose just a little bit just during their lifetime, during their time, a little bit before. And that was such a marked change from what they were doing before Christ came. And so only, I believe truly only by the Holy Spirit and not praying for their own will or their own thought, but for that God's will and that the Holy Spirit came and answered them and gave them the insight to know that this was no longer a requirement to be accepted into the kingdom of Christ. Yeah, I, I really think it's, you know, like you said, direction. You know, sometimes we look at the Bible and we, we expect the Bible to give the exact answer and that we don't need to search or, or talk to God to find out what he, how he wants us to look at it and interpret it. Mm -hmm. They just said, hey, well, the scripture says X, Y, and Z. 
you must be circumcised, you must do this, you must do that. And there is nothing else that's going to change that. Mm. Instead of going, hey, let's seek God. Until that, that happened, you know, there was, there, was nothing, there was nothing that was going to change those individuals' minds. And when you look at, you know, the church making decisions, you know, we can look at the Bible, and the Bible gives us, you know, clear answers on many things, but we still have to seek God and go that step yeah. further because there may be something that we as man are interpreting incorrectly. We mm -hmm. think it means one thing, mm -hmm. and we get a group of people together that all have the same idea and same thought, and we go, yeah, read this. What do you think it means? I think it means that. And they, okay. everyone else agrees. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. And then next thing you know, it becomes a big movement and they're, and everyone's pushing for this change, but no one has stopped to seek God. Yeah. yeah. Because it's, you know, just the moment you think that you understand what God is trying to say in the scripture, <laughs> like he's not just some box or some little place. He is yeah. worldwide, not even worldwide, beyond that galaxy-wide, timeless. And so we can't just say on our knowledge, which is still evolving and still limited, that we can fully understand his mind. Bless God. How do we show respect for people whose faith we believe is wrong without giving the impression that we respect those beliefs ourselves? Hmm. <laughs> How can we agree to disagree? Is that what that's asking? In a way, you know, it's a, it's a really tough question because mm -hmm. so often, you know, if you show, you know, people feel like, well, if you show respect for what I think, you're kind of in agreement. And I mm -hmm. think that's the false impression that we sometimes give off, that we, we agree, like you said, we agree to disagree, but we never really truly express that I don't really agree, you know, I don't believe, this is not what I believe, but I respect you. And I respect the fact that you have a belief and that this is this is truly what you believe. Because we go into situations we, we wanna we want to really engage in not necessarily discussion, mm -hmm. but argument. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we we wanna have we wanna have spiritual arguments over mm -hmm. no, that's wrong. That's truly wrong. This is what it says. And it, it's finding that balance and 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 getting people to understand that, hey, I I, I respect you you believe that, okay. Mm -hmm. That's not going to change that I don't, you know, I don't really follow that. Hmm. And I think that conversation can be had expressing your disagreement. I think that can be had after you've respectfully sat and listened. Hmm. Because I think too often we jump into, I don't agree with what you do, or I don't agree with what you think, or I don't agree with what you believe, without actually giving the person the opportunity to sit down and express what they believe or express what they think because we've already judged and, and made that decision. Mm. Now, sitting down and listening to somebody express that to you doesn't mean that at the end of it you walk away and go, yeah, those were good points, I believe it too. <laughs> but it's important to show that respect to somebody, respect their process of thinking and, and belief by actually listening to it mm. and getting their perspective on it. I agree now that I've listened to you. Oh, <laughs> it works. <laughs> Angela, Rob, and John, thank you so much. If you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool, the letter U, dot O-R-G. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and it's for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Janelle Phillips.